the Ron DeSantis slump. Benjamin Wallace Wells. Go to YouTube, and you can still find the Ron DeSantis who got Republican donors and media so excited, just a year ago. A source familiar with the campaign described clips of DeSantis, usually at press conferences he gave as governor of Florida, that went viral in Republican circles. A reporter comes in and asks a question, and he just rips their heart out, the source said. The questions were often about DeSantis's COVID policies and also sometimes about his aggressive stances against the teaching of race and gender topics in public schools or his perplexing war on Disney. In response, DeSantis generally took an impatient tone, the press, he seemed to suggest, was once again wasting everyone's time. The source went on, but those were situations where it was about Florida policies, which he knew like the back of his hand, where he could deploy his computer brain. And it was in front of a crowd that was going to applaud no matter what. In every sense, the staffer said, he was in total control of the situation. DeSantis was offering something in thin supply during, the pandemic years, the impression of conservative mastery. Just 44 years old, a former Little League World Series standout who had gone to Yale on the strength of his 99th percentile S.A.T.S., DeSantis had taken a contrarian, laissez-faire position on COVID. He didn't endure the disastrous public health outcomes that liberals had warned of. His political popularity boomed, and so did migration to Florida. It wasn't surprising that this kind of figure would appeal most keenly to conservative elites. His gubernatorial campaign last year, effectively a COVID victory lap, drew an astonishing $200 million in contributions from donors, and, in a four-month period just after the 2020 election, Fox News producers asked DeSantis to appear on the network more than 110 times. By the end of 2022, after DeSantis romped to re-election in a midterm cycle in which Republicans underperformed and some of Trump's preferred candidates flamed out, it seemed to GOP pollsters that the DeSantis phenomenon was no longer just top-down. Every stitch of data I had said they really liked him, a pollster for an opposing Republican campaign told me. Sign up for the news and politics. The latest from Washington and beyond, covering current events, the economy, and more, from our columnists and correspondents. Email address. By signing up, you agree to our user agreement and privacy policy and cookie statement. This site is protected by reCAPTCHA and the Google privacy policy and terms of service apply. Since the 2020 election, Sarah Longwell, a Republican pollster closely affiliated with the Never Trump movement, has been conducting frequent focus groups with Republicans who voted twice for Trump. This past winter, Longwell told me, we started having to screen groups for Trump favorability to find people who even wanted Trump to run again. I can't tell you how dominant DeSantis was in that moment and how clear people were that it was time to move on. Former Trump voters, Longwell said, were very DeSantis curious. They just thought Trump had too much baggage. But the way they talked about DeSantis, which I found interesting, was that they would talk about him relative to Trump. They would say, he's Trump without the baggage, or he's Trump with a new fight, or he's Trump not on steroids. That was one of my favorites. One theory circulating among politicos right now is that DeSantis simply waited too long to enter the race. He did not announce his candidacy formally until May and did so in a clumsy and widely mocked Twitter Spaces event with Elon Musk. 
but, whatever the reasons for the delay, it was also the case that DeSantis and his advisors had not solved a fundamental problem for the campaign, how to run against Trump. Within two months of DeSantis's announcement, his campaign laid off a third of its staff, last week, he fired his campaign manager. In a recent Times-Siena poll, he trailed Trump 54-17 among national Republican primary voters. Trump crushing DeSantis and GOP rivals, the headline ran, https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2023-07-31-slash-slash-politics-slash-2024-poll-nyt-siena-trump-republicans.html. Even before its official launch, the campaign and its allies were conducting polls and focus groups to test various anti-Trump messages. Across several months, the source familiar with the campaign said that it consistently struggled to find a message critical of Trump that resonated with rank-and-file Republican voters. Even attaching Trump's name to an otherwise effective message had a tendency to invert the results, this source said. If a moderator said that the COVID lockdowns destroyed small businesses and facilitated the largest upward wealth transfer in modern American history, 70% of the Republicans surveyed would agree. But, if the moderator said that Trump's COVID lockdowns destroyed small businesses and facilitated the largest upward wealth transfer in modern American history, the source said, 70% would disagree. At the outset of his campaign, DeSantis had a strong base of support among more moderate, college-educated voters. But this base alone is not big enough to win the Republican primaries. Early on in the race, DeSantis was going to have to make a decision, a leading GOP consultant working with a rival candidate told me. One path, he said, would have been to run as a moderate, pull all the anti-Trump people into his camp, and then go to work on the conservatives by arguing that he was younger than Trump, more competent at governing, and likelier to win. The other path was to try to run from the right, even if that cost him the support of his natural base, on the theory that it would be impossible to beat Trump without denting his conservative support and that eventually the moderates would come home because, as the consultant put it, where the fuck else are they gonna go? The DeSantis campaign, he posited, started with that second strategy. And then the polling tanked and they got scared. In truth, a conservative run was a more natural fit for DeSantis. As DeSantis built his national brand, he had leaned heavily into a hard form of culture war, attacking Disney and pushing laws that curtailed the teaching of gender and race-related topics. It would have been tricky for even the most adept politician to pivot from this to a moderate pitch of good governance and policy. The DeSantis campaign also seems to lack Trump's appeal to what the source familiar with the campaign called the deep base instincts of the Republican Party. Perhaps to compensate for this and to channel the right-wing ID, the campaign associated itself with some envelope-pushing young activists and journalists. This backfired. One of them, Pedro Gonzalez, was revealed in June to have sent countless anti-Semitic messages through Telegram Messenger. An example, not every Jew is problematic, but the sad fact is that most are. In July, a young DeSantis speechwriter, Nate Hockman, was fired after circulating a pro-DeSantis video that included a symbol, the Sonnenrad, that is common in Nazi imagery. The rival consultant told me, I think that was a pretty good peek under the lid about what they're obsessed with in Tallahassee. And it ain't improving homeownership rates. Video from The New Yorker Richard Brody's best films of 2023, so far. 
https slash slash www.newyorkcar.com slash video slash watch slash Richard Brodus best films of so far hashtag insid equals underscore CNE interlude New Yorker underscore CA70FFA3DB underscore text BC. But, from the start of this year, DeSantis has struggled to identify issues that might appeal to very conservative voters. In February, DeSantis criticized the U.S.'s support of the Ukraine war, but he was forced to reverse his position after some prominent donors threw a fit. In April, as much of the political world was coming to terms with Democrats' electoral advantage after the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, DeSantis signed a bill outlawing abortion after six weeks. Even on his signature anti-woke platform, he sometimes seemed to be searching for an original message. In April, NBC News reported that DeSantis was carrying around Woke Incorporated. The book written by his Republican presidential primary rival, Vivek Ramaswamy, an outsider and former longshot who last week edged ahead of DeSantis in one national poll. DeSantis can sound quite similar to Ramaswamy on the campaign trail, both candidates have called for bans on TikTok and for a declaration of economic independence from China and to shut down the FBI. Ramaswamy, or to fire its director, DeSantis. In February, Ramaswamy had called for the deployment of the U.S. military against Mexican drug cartels, we gotta go Soleimani on them. And this month DeSantis said he would use military force and drone strikes against the cartels. Without the same dominant position in conservative media he'd had this winter, DeSantis's ideas could sound a little generic. For several years now, it's been common to hear Republican consultants and pollsters say that Trump dominates among the party's conservative base because he is seen as a fighter. More than anyone else in the GOP primary, DeSantis has a reputation for political aggression and a track record of conservative efficacy, but that doesn't seem to have helped him. Perhaps this characterization of Trump is misleading. Is he really a fighter? He is a yeller, certainly, an expresser, a maker of big threats. He also wanders away from the fights he has started. To think that what Republican voters really want in a presidential candidate is someone they can trust to complete the border wall may be a misunderstanding of the party's base. Trump has managed to always make politics gargantuan, it wasn't about immigration but a civilizational struggle, it wasn't about an election but democracy itself. You have millions of Americans who are literally willing to die for Trump right now, the source familiar with the DeSantis campaign told me, and being, like, he didn't fire Fauci is not going to change their minds. On August 4, a verdict of a sort was delivered on DeSantis's effort to pry the conservative base from Trump. The hotel magnate Robert Bigelow, the largest individual donor to the DeSantis Super PAC, never backed down, to which he'd given $20 million, told Reuters that he would not give any more money to the campaign unless it adopts a more moderate approach, saying that DeSantis does need to shift to get moderates. When I spoke with Sarah Longwell a few days later, she told me that, in her last two focus groups of two-time Trump voters, not a single participant had said that they wanted DeSantis to win the nomination, some had said that they preferred Tim Scott or Ramaswamy. When a moderator mentioned DeSantis, Longwell tweeted, one participant had said, dismissively, that he might be deep state. DeSantis is running haggard on the trail. In recent weeks, he's often spent his Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays in Iowa, on whose caucuses his fortunes increasingly seem to rest. He wears cowboy boots with slightly raised heels, and his wife, Casey, wears cowboy boots, too. 
The towns are small, the venues impeccably styled, the crowds medium-sized, late middle-aged, and respectful. We're banging out those counties, DeSantis said to a small clutch of reporters in National, with a forced joviality. Whether you compare this scene with Trump's rolling, snarling jamban tour, now in its sixth year, or with DeSantis's original ambitions to stage a national campaign leaning heavily on the airwaves, the Florida governor's campaign right now looks small. At the Iowa State Fair this past weekend, the Trump team hired a private plane to strategically fly overhead while DeSantis was flipping burgers, according to Semaphore. The qualities that recommended DeSantis six months ago are intact. Trump is in a strong pole position but a perilous legal one. When I followed DeSantis on the Iowa Trail last week, at least, the challenge seemed to be the fundamental political matter of what, exactly, he was trying to say. In a brewery on the outskirts of Decorah, DeSantis didn't tell many stories, about others or himself, or give a capsule version of his biography, perhaps he assumed his audience already knew it. Instead, he sounded much like he does in the format in which he is most adept, the rapid-fire TV interview, ticking through a series of talking points that are familiar to those who follow conservative media closely but can be opaque to others, a line denouncing the excesses of ESG was met with silence. He did not mention his conflict with Disney, the riff on parental rights in education was reserved for his wife, who took the mic after him. Was he abandoning the culture war hardline? It was difficult to tell. I had the impression that he was hedging. During the queue, and a session, he was asked what he thought about the latest indictment of Trump, this time for his role in the January 6th insurrection. DeSantis replied, it's politically motivated, absolutely. They've been trying to get him since he became president. He was more or less making his opponents points for him. If the DeSantis campaign is changing, it isn't yet obvious how. The source familiar with the campaign told me. If you're seeking to understand why this entire operation has been such a disaster, the problem has more to do with the fact that there isn't any unifying theory of the case and certainly no unifying, coherent message, it's a schizophrenic campaign with a schizophrenic message. DeSantis, the source went on, had put himself in the impossible position of trying to be more moderate than Trump and more conservative than him simultaneously. In recent weeks, the campaign had taken note of an anti-Trump message that seemed likely to have some traction with Republican voters, a 60-second spot, John, cut by a pack. In it, a middle-aged man, seated on the steps of a suburban home and speaking calmly to the camera, says that he loves Donald Trump and saw him as a breath of fresh air, but that this got him disinvited from his sisters for Thanksgiving. The drama, he's got so many distractions, the constant fighting, there's something every day, John says and I'm not sure he can focus on moving the country forward. The country is heading in the wrong direction, he adds, and we definitely need somebody that can freaking win. I think you probably lose that bet if you voted for Trump. But if this was the sort of message that DeSantis's supporters hoped might dent Trump's standing, there was an obvious problem, it did not so much as mention DeSantis. The first debate is on August 23, and the best message that the DeSantis campaign has found is not about the Florida governor himself. Like so much else about his candidacy, it exists in wary relation to Trump. Diamond Suit